Gothamites, and welcome to our 70th episode of I Am The Knight. And this week, um, don't Google these words because you never know what could happen. We're looking at the episode Baby Doll, written by Paul Dini, of course, and directed by Dan Reber. And this one was both hilarious, disturbing, and pretty um, just damn good, I thought. But Adam... Tell me what you thought. Well, my first thoughts are to answer to your uh, opening of the episode. If they Google Baby Doll, they'll probably think of they'll probably end up getting things like Baby Annabelle or the main character from Sucker Punch. You know, yes. one, you know the the pinnacle of popular culture. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I also <laughs> have a lot of questions. But we're going to look past that because um, I made precisely because we take notes when we watch things. Yes, we do, la ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we watch these with um, fine attention, uh, just so we can have the most comprehensive review and thoughts possible when we get back to sitting down and recording this lovely show for your listening pleasure. I made exactly two notes when watching this episode because I was in because I was both captivated and terrified. Yes. Um, when I saw the title card, I just I just wrote, "Oh, doll maker?" question mark Because that was seemed like a reasonable mm -hmm. assumption. The very creepy um, yes. doll maker. Ugh. Yeah, really creepy, lesser known and less appreciated uh, figure of Batman's Rose Gallery. So I thought this might be appearance of him, but we got that lilting, happy-go-lucky Saturday morning Animaniac-style theme music mm -hmm. over the title card. So I was thinking maybe not. And then the episode rolled on, and I just wrote in big block caps, "This is so creepy." <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to close my notebook and refer back to the memories that have been burned into my brain because yeah. this episode was very creepy. And that's so weird because obviously when it finished, I just looked at you and said, that was really creepy. That was really creepy. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that now. Let's talk about that. Obviously, uh, Mary Doll or Baby Doll, uh, the character she portrays, suffers from a real condition which sadly is nowhere near as kind to the people who do have this affliction as it was to, to her. Because obviously she's literally just a 30-year-old woman stuck in a child's body. But that in itself is terrifying because, well, you know how I feel about China dolls and Chucky dolls and ventriloquist dummies. That's that's the probably the things I like least that's it's quite a common fear because that closer copy of life mm. uh, feels like a horrid mockery of life mm. um which is quite funny because i know that one of your favorite films of all time is blade runner which yes. makes me think of that the climactic scene with what's her face in the toy maker's house Hannah. that's it yeah but that's still a fairly that's close to, that's still a very close to the line creepy yeah Surrounded by little kids and toys thing. Is that what that started for you? No, I think it was much younger. Um, I think it was with some of the dolls um, in cousins and aunts' houses. And, and there was one um, relative that, that had lots and lots of dolls. And they literally just sat in rows with really realistic eyes and cold, dead porcelain skin. And I think it's from then. So, and you were a tiny child when you first yes. saw these. Yes, that would mess up anyone. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a reasonably common fear, and it makes total sense when you put it in that context. So, yeah, um, I can see where that comes from. Yeah, I mean, it's even gone to the case where you know how much I adore 
and rave about sideshow collectibles and hot toys and McFarlane toys and stuff like that. Yep. Where I see some of these ultra-realistic action figures based on movie actors, and they're so realistic that it looks exactly like the actors, even things like that creep me out a little bit because they're far too real, but they're teeny tiny. Yeah, they're far too real, so it just gives you the sense of what is living. Are they so close that they could be alive? But then again, you can just really lighten the tone when you just see um, shots of the actors promoting these toys by saying, look, I'm playing with myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. So I think I'm going to have to keep that in my mental Rolodex from now on. Yeah. Thank you for that. To refer back to um, how they deal with scary things in Harry Potter, just using the ridiculous spell. Just, yes. re- just reduce down, yes. oh, it's a creepy doll, it looks it looks too real. Oh, no, but the actors are playing with themselves. It's yes. fine. Thank you for that. That's, That's going right. to be a big help for my brain. Yes, but uh, unfortunately, the events of this episode have still terrified us to our very core, because unlike those cases where it's action figures that look hyper-realistic, this is an actual woman who looks and behaves like, what, she's five, six years old, something mm-hmm. that, something like that, but still keeps up something truly insidious. Yeah. That, that, that really puts a lot of people at ease off and off-center, and that's a totally normal reaction. But, but I think more than that, obviously the whole visual thing is a little bit scary because you look at a child and at times you hear a child, but then you remember this is a grown woman. And then when she switches and the grown woman's side comes out, it's really... To me, the only way I can liken it to anything I've seen is Norman Bates speaking to his mother while it's still him, that personality of her in him. And that, I got that vibe. The voice acting by Alison LaPlaca in this episode is nothing sure. I mean, I actually honestly rate this as one of the best vocal performances in this series to date. And this is a series replete with stunning vocal performances. You get the real strong implications that, yes, I could have very easily just like associated this with like a very seasoned voice actor putting on like a kiddie squeak, like the lady who plays Bart Simpson's an absolutely tenured actress. She's an absolute hero. Yeah. So I expected something like that, but then when it gets to a switch of an actual mature voice coming out of that very uh, twee and sweet form, saying the things she was saying and moving with that kind of intent, but then again, also having that murderous intent whilst in that squeaky, like, broken English, almost like a little kid. Yeah. Messed us up. Messed us right up. (laughs) That's the only way to describe it. It messed us up. The most terrifying part is, though, and I'm glad you said it, that when she's the grown-up adult voice, she's calmer, nicer, Hmm. and she, like, realises, you feel, I mean, I don't know how she does it. It's brilliant acting. You feel like she's actually not happy with where she's going. But when you see the evil and the intent and the look in the eyes, the animators, again, when they design this character, I mean, because these big, beautiful eyes are a trope of animation and anime in particular to invoke cuteness. But when they squint down, they're still huge and you get that glint of evil and those lines delivered in that child's voice. That's when it really messes messes you you up. Yes, we want to say something stronger, but we can't because much like the source material, we are a family show, but we're... With horror like this, with the horror with the Poison Ivy Force Growing Her Family episode, with some of the visuals in Razzle Gould finding that demon under the pyramids, I'm astounded that they can play with such kinds of horror 
in quote unquote light Saturday morning television. Yeah, uh, and that's part of the many reasons I love this show and, and other shows. I mean, let's be honest, another one of our favourites is Doctor Who, which is uh, quote unquote a family show. But that show is also and has been at times terrifying. Kids love to be scared. And that whole emotional response and horror movies, the fact they've still got such a lure today, that's when you know you're alive. Yes. And that does help kids deal with greater real fears, I think, later in life. I mean, that, that's the only way I can defend this, because this episode messed me up tonight. Yeah, I, I admit that I have not... It's because of... Uh, not to blame my mother or to pass the buck, but I've not seen as much horror as someone else my age would have, simply she because have it in the house, my, mother won't, my mother won't stand for it. And that's okay. It's a preference. It's a personal choice. I totally respect it. But... That also means that something that's just a little bit disturbing, not necessarily scary like this, mm. like really hits you. We were just you were just talking about Doctor Who. Well, I remember when I was a kid, several episodes across the time, because I was because the revival of Doctor Who is when I grew up. So yeah. I I grew with that show and seeing some of those early episodes where it was trying to find those old horror roots again, changed me as a tiny child, and yeah. I'll be grateful for it. But oh man, yeah, oh man, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Baby Doll is, is a wonderful character and she does, listeners, you'll be glad to hear if you haven't watched the show, she does make a return. But she's again, like Harley Quinn, like uh, the new iteration of the Clock King, one of those characters that was made for this show. And apart from a couple of cameos, thanks Sean G. Murphy of White Knight fame, you legend you. Um, apart from a few cameos in the White Knight uh, series, she hasn't actually transitioned to the comics, which I think is a shame because she's a perfect fit for Batman's weird, wacky, slightly crazy rogue gallery, I think. I think so too. Just the visual of a grown woman with a murderous, malicious intent wrapped up in the visuals of this harmless little girl. It could really do some great uh, Uncanny Valley-style stories. Yeah. I would very much like to see something done with that. Or she could just catch a fairy, go to Metropolis and um, bother Superman with his good pal, the Toyman. Oh, yes. Um, I actually think she'd be a wonderful girlfriend from Mr. Mickey's Pitalik. But hey, you know, <laughs> it could go so many ways. It could go so many ways. DC, if you're listening, uh, we will accept your uh, best offer. Checks payable to Stephen and Adam Ray, care of DC Comics News Podcast Network. <clears throat> we digress. Good boy. Um, but again, do you feel like it's really clever to have her as a villain? Because unlike the previous episode where it was Batman against a physical formidable foe he had to literally pull out all the stops with, this is someone he has to pull his punches with, but really shouldn't because she is dangerous. She is dangerous. She has murderous intent. She's heavily armed and she's very well supported by that uh, cadre of goons that she's been able to hire because obviously she was a very successful actress despite her questionable acting talent mm -hmm. um which is quite ironic because we've got one of the best performances in the show in oh, the voice actress absolutely i'm glad you said that but um <laughs> the capital behind her as a uh, household name means that she can uh recreate the sets from her glory days as a child as a child air mm -hmm. quotes actor mm -hmm. and um hire some of the finest goons at goonsfinder.net because i imagine that supervillains have to have like a job board for people that want to do grunt work. Yeah. Like that one episode of that excellent superhero uh, insurance sitcom with Vanessa Hudgens and Alan Tudyk. 
Yes. There was one episode where the, um, some guys were just like, oh, we just got hired on this like uh, henchman job app website. <laughs> so that has to be a thing. And she obviously went uh, to find um, red-haired karate lady and the two heavies on that website. And uh, red-haired karate lady rocked. I mean, for Robin to say, damn, lady, you're good. And for her to give Batman and Robin yeah. a really good go. Yeah, I, I want to see her again. And hopefully she will uh, make further appearances in baby doll's future episodes i hope i hope because she did a good job of just like really disarming and putting that whole hey i'm a concerned mother you're looking out for my baby mm -hmm. to put that visual forward so it's a really good sort of like two-part team that they made there yeah mariam was fantastic i mean she reminds me of of the classic um lex luther bodyguards uh, like mercy graves where stunningly beautiful woman but don't let that fool you. She will kick your behind. Yes, boy. and there's something like very effective about that. So yeah, I can. I would sincerely hope we see this character again oh, alongside Baby Doll. Definitely, absolutely. Now, Baby Doll. Yeah. That whole plot, and this is again one of those things that I love about this show, is so straight out of the Silver Age, where kidnaps all her co-stars to torture them and take her vengeance and bring back her glory days. But yet, with a character like this, and she's nothing short of macabre, let's face it, it brings it right back screaming into the present. So, again, that marriage of eras, that marriage of different styles, is just brilliant, isn't it? It really does, because we see, uh, as Batman and Robin sort of like solving the mystery of where these actors are being taken from, we see the original TV show, we see... It looking like very Mr. Rogers, very 1950s um, Americana. Oh, what was that amazing sitcom that was always, that was where all of the canned laughter was recorded from, but they always did it live and they always did like some really absurd. I know. I love Lucy, probably. Probably that style of television. Yeah. yeah. But then you sort of bring it screeching back to now with um, like hard hitting cinema and Baby Doll just like completely washing up. Um, it's a wonderful interplay of stories that you can kind of expect from Batman these days. It's yeah. very strongly sort of intertextual and timeless. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, again, that's one of the many reasons we love this show. The way it can be any era, every era, and you can't put a, your, your finger on it. And it, it's, it's just wonderful. It, it's great. But the um, the voice talents behind it do help because obviously this is one of those episodes where i really had to work hard afterwards yes because we don't just get baby doll we get her tv family and man we've always said it even bit parts sometimes this show casts incredible actors they've gone to town this will be good with this one because every character in uh baby doll's family is played by someone with a pedigree as long as my arm or 10 times long i mean some of these names when i saw them in the titles i thought whoa they got who to do what for how much what with a why and well shall we start this will be good okay from from the smallest um pedigree but still huge nerd cred judy strange judy strangis who played uh tammy vance um baby doll's sister in the old days but now a grown woman for me um growing up i remember her in many episodes of bewitched and more so because she played one of the tv superhero sidekicks diner girl in the electroman and diner girl tv show which 
was a bit of a a, a legendary show because it was so ridiculous but so eminently watchable mm. and, and american audiences got every episode of that. i think we only got one season here in the, in the uk so that was when i saw that i thought oh well i remember that and then we move on to tarzia valenza who played uh mariam the red-headed ninja okay from appearances in shows like the 18 wow. fame all my children to voice acting roles in Johnny Quest, Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Star Wars Resistance. Um, this this lady's done it all. Live action, voice acting, the whole works. Then we'll move on to Jason Marsden, who plays Spunky, the boy who actually stole poor old baby doll's limelight. He was Eddie Munster in the 88 to 91 remake of The Munsters. Oh, wow. Yes. Appeared in things like Boy Meets World. Uh, and this, for me, is the most important bit. When they made Back to the Batcave, the spoof spin-off tribute to the Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman series, Batman 66, he played the young Burt Ward. No way. Wow. So the Batman ties go back <laughs> that far. I find it super ironic, then, just to, just to, just to jump in yeah. there, that that character was then uh, switched in... Uh, sorry, again, listeners, if you haven't caught this episode yet, was switched in by Robin. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is just a lovely bit yes. of an ironic touch. Exactly. I'm glad you were because I was going to say it, and you had said it for me, so well done. Amazing. Let's move on to Robbie Rist, who played Brian Daly, the brother from the Baby Doll TV show. Now, this guy. Okay. From Godzilla the series to playing virtually every bit part in the Sonic Boom, Sonic the Hedgehog animated series, including oh, wow. Swifty. He um, was in Teenage Ninja Turtles, the animated series as Mondo Gecko. But most importantly, he was Michelangelo in all three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Oh, wow. The actual live action. Yes. So was he in the suits or was he just doing voice work? Um as far as I can tell, from what I could see, it was both. Oh, wow. Because they wouldn't be able to get his voice through yeah. the rubber suits. Yeah. They had to redub afterwards. But yeah. he was in the he suits was my, as well. well. He was Michelangelo. So whatever you hear, at the very least, is him. And that voice, to me, is my favourite character from those three movies. Oh. Mikey in those three movies is the, is, the, is the star. Okay, so this is a fairly deep cut because I know there's some hell. Mm. Does that mean he featured in the hip-hop Christmas album? Almost definitely. That's the best thing <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, amazing. Oh, well. Now, let's move on to arguably the most incredible resume I've seen to date on this show. To, pay, to play, literally, just someone who gets angry and tries to walk off. The actor who played Todd Baker, uh, Baby Doll's fake dad, and as soon as I say this name... At least audiences in the States are going to jump up and say, what the... was played by Alan Young. Now, this guy, his pedigree is beyond compare. He played Uncle Dave in Beverly Hills Cop 3, which is quite ironic because Uncle Dave is like a um, stand-in uh, for Walt Disney. This is very important because he's been in basically just about every Walt Disney production ever made including cat from outer space amongst others he was in time machine basil the great mouse detective um but he played scrooge mcduck in animated series animated movies and video games 
for over 30 years. So he is Scrooge McDuck. He is the original Scrooge McDuck. He that, was the classic yeah. grumpy duck swimming oh, yes. around in the vats of gold. It, it doesn't end there because he won two Emmys for his own show, The Alan Young Show. And above all others, for Nerd Cred, he played both Seven Zack Seven and Keop in Battle of the Planets, which is one of my all-time favourite shows. He was in Ren and Stimpy, but his crowning glory, he was Wilbur, the lead actor in 143 episodes of Mr. Ed, the show with the talking horse. He was the human sidekick who put up with all those horse shenanigans. What? Yes. He I, was Wilbur and Mr. Ed. I truly forgot that that show existed until you just said it. Yeah, and it's a legendary show, which you've probably never seen, but know all about. I, 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 I can see those horses. <laughs> oh, what? Yes. Yeah. Wow, I kind of want to watch some of that now. Yeah, legend. The man is a legend. But now we have to talk about Alison LaPlaca, who played Baby Doll, which I honestly think was a superb performance again. Movies, TV, stage, screen, from shows like Remington Steel and Friends, uh, Fame, Cheers, Family Ties, the movie Fletch with uh, Chevy Chase. But for Friends is what you'd probably know her the most for. Yeah. Because she was Rachel's boss, Joanna. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. That is Alison LaPlaca, who played Baby Doll. Um, Your face right now. I wish this was on YouTube. Mm. <laughs> I'm just trying to like conflate the visuals because I, don't, yeah. I haven't really seen much of her since Friends. Yeah. So she's still stuck in that bit pop from Friends. I'm, I'm astounded that she had that kind of range. But then again, the character had a quite, quite a bit of range in, yeah. in Friends oh, yeah. as well. Because she was really vindictive to her other assistant as well as being like really over the top and amorous towards Chandler. So yeah... Um, what a performance. Yeah. Acting. 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 Indeed. I and love it. Stellar actress, both live action and voice actor. So there you go. Right. Um, so that's the cast list, which again, probably taken up half the episode, but it, worth it because creepy episode, entertaining episode, fun, action packed, scary, and everything in between. So um, what were your main takeaways from Baby Doll? Weirdly, I think the one thing I really wanted to emphasize in an episode as absurd and out there as this one, mm -hmm. I wanted to emphasize a great bit of realism. Oh, good. A great bit of realism because during the dramatic climax where it's just Batman chasing down Baby Doll through that funfair, if you're a little kid in a funfair of a Saturday night after school and you see Batman land on a concession stand, of course you're going to run and look up at him and just be like, oh my god, it's Batman. Look, watch him swinging away. Just like that wonderment perfectly mirrors the target audience of the show because I feel like those kids would have the exact same reaction if they saw something real like that. But yeah, I just thought that, that was a weirdly unexpected bit of realism for a world like that. And it was just a really solid moment that I just thought was really sort of powerful in a way. And once again, the hive mind is in full effect. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I love that because that was exactly what my main takeaway was as well because... Let's face it, Batman has always been known as the figure of fear in a city of fear. But he never frightens the innocent. Mm. Far from it. We, you've mentioned it before. In the classic story um, where Batman goes back and prevents his parents being killed, 
he still becomes Batman because that child is inspired by the hero and protector who swooped out of the shadows and saved his parents. To children, Batman is that. And I found it ultimately even more ironic because here's Baby Doll doing everything she can the wrong way to become famous again, to get herself back into the limelight. And all it takes is Batman to stand on top of a popcorn stand to be surrounded by her target audience, the children who look up to the hero and she's left out in the cold by herself to run away. Genius writing and iconic vintage Batman. It was a great moment to just sort of set the hero apart so just to be there on the literal moral mm. high ground. Just this vision of inspiration and just a great bit of visual storytelling that, yeah, you can really sort of learn to respect. It's a very old image that still holds up in a lot of stories, and I'm really happy to have seen it. Yeah, absolutely. Our main takeaways, once again, have actually been one and the same, and that's we've got to hand it to the legend that is uh, Paul Dini for writing that scene, I think. Very much so. Uh, continuing to tell such strong stories, calling back to great heroes, doing grand heroic things. We can really respect it yeah. all those years later. But are you looking forward to seeing Baby Doll again now that we know for sure that she is one of these characters that will make at least one more return appearance? I'd be very fascinated to see into what manner she returns because her efforts to try and snatch all of those uh, supporting characters from her old show again will um, probably go awry one way or another. So I'll be very interested to see what sort of dastardly deed she gets up to this next time. Yeah, well, I've managed to give myself a few spoilers and know that there are links between her and uh, Killer Croc. So the fact that Sean Murphy's White Knight features her sitting at a table with Killer Croc standing beside her leads me to think that, again, well, Everyone knows who's read any of Sean Murphy's work that he's obsessed with this era of Batman anyway. He's the one who brought the Michael Keaton Batmobile into comics and made it fly. Oh, well, that's a pretty sad... <laughs> I mean, that's just a satisfying visual. I, I, I'll i take a flying Keaton Batmobile. Hell yeah! That, that seems good. I'll take that. I like yeah. that. So let's wait and see. I, for one, am both itching to see more Baby Doll and am also slightly itching with terror and feel the chills running down my spine at the thought of it as well. Well, just like good horror, it will come when we least expect it. Yes. Yeah. Jump scares. Delicious. <sighs> So that was episode 70 ba, ba, ba. of I Am The Night, the 11th episode of season two of Batman the Animated Series. So we are just over halfway through season two now. So what do you make of that? Well, we've seen ups and downs of all kinds. We've seen brand new villains and returning favorites. Mm -hmm. um, the quality has been at its best. And if they continue to keep going like this, I look forward to the grand future of the series. Fantastic. And... Thinking of uh, looking forward and grand futures, what's on the horizon with you, Adam Ray? Oh, I have many things on the horizon. I make a lot of content. For Batman and DC Comics flavoured things, look no further than Dark Knight News, where I review multiple titles every month. Both Catwoman and Suicide Squad are in excellent spots right now, and I am itching to see what the next instalment for both titles is. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look to our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com, where you'll find my news reviews and opinion pieces about gacha gaming, digital card gaming, and everything in between. For tabletop RPG experiences, look to the Apotheosis Studios blog, where I create monsters, spells, supplements, and other 
find things for you to use in your Dungeons and Dragons experiences. And look to runterracycg.com where I bring hard-hitting news and decks of the day on the League of Legends card game. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer and follow my visual media on twitch.tv forward slash IsItTinkerer for my card gaming uh, live streams, the hostile atmosphere on YouTube for my PC Let's Plays, and No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons and Dragons Let's Plays. I make a lot of content. And do check that content out because the game is quite literally afoot as for myself you can catch me obviously on this show with adam and on the dc comics news podcast occasionally on mad love the harley queen cast all found on the dc comics news podcast network on apple spotify google play stitcher and wherever else you may find wonderful audio content to tantalize your earbuds also catch my written work by typing steve j ray or fantastic universe into your search engine of choice to find my news reviews interviews across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes, and CBR. Talk to me on Twitter at Elstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Find DC Comics News and Dark Knight News all across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. But until you do, Adam Ray is the knight. Together we are the knight. And this has been the I Am The Knight podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, read more comics. And please watch more Batman.